This is the EWN Podcast Network. We all have lives filled with stories. Their stories make us who we are, and they are all important. Welcome to Epic Stories. I'm your host, Jean Tillery, and I want to share a story with you. Last October, I traveled to Nashville to see one of my favorite songwriters, Courtney Patton. She was performing at the legendary Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee. Performing with her was another one of my favorite songwriters, Ben Danaher. I met up with Ben for lunch before the show just to chat. This was actually the second interview that I had done with him for my podcast. The first one was years ago, and it just so happened that my brand new microphone had had a manufacturer's defect, and so it did not record a single word of that interview. That's too bad, too, because it was a good one. It may have taken me years to sit down with him again, but the timing was perfect. We talked about the music, the fans, and the business. It's always a joy getting a chance to talk to my friend, especially when we get to sit outside and eat tacos. Just a warning, about 28 minutes into the conversation, the street cleaner came by. It was pretty funny at the time, but it's just an example of how casual my podcast conversations are. It's taken me a while to get this episode ready, and while I would like to say that I purposely sat on it just so that I could release it this week, that would be a lie. It's purely a God incident, as I like to call it, that Ben has a new album releasing the day after this, po- this podcast episode goes live. Head to your favorite listening platform, Friday, May 18th, and download Resurrection, Ben's new CD, or even better, go buy a vinyl copy. Check out all the details at his website, bendanaher.com. You like singing something in there? <laughs> Do you use the voice recording a lot when you're, yeah. when you're driving to... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, lyrics, like, to remember the lyrics, like, you can write them down and speak to say or whatever in your phone. The melody is the one you don't want to forget. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's the, the one that you can't get back. You like, you have to record it into your phone, right? You're screwed. Well, and it's funny because I have been doing a lot of writing, and I, my mind must really be clear Three o'clock in the morning, because I will wake up with something so genius, and I'll be laying there, and I'll be like, okay, well, I should get up and write this down, but it is so good, I'll never forget. Yeah. And then I'll roll back over and go back to sleep. It's the hardest sure thing to learn, that, that arrogance. <laughs> um, so you're genius while you're driving, which you've no, done not, a lot of. No, I'm not. It takes a lot of work to, for me to get to that point, just to get something to record. Jason is like, his genius. Like, he's disciplined. He probably wrote 20 songs on a tour while we were out for a month. And it was just, he's, granted, he's making a new album. So he would show up to soundcheck and be like, oh. I got this. Check Let's... this out, you know, like, and and just lay something really great on us. But you said he's disciplined. He's disciplined. So is that, do you think that your average person who is in this business can work and develop a discipline yeah. to get to that point? Yeah, I do. I do believe that. It's, there's a lot of, uh. There's a, there's a really cool book I read called the, the War of Art, and I might have talked about it last time, but it's there's a couple of schools of thought on it. And the, the guys, he interviewed somebody, and the first thing he said was, you know, I asked one of my favorite writers, 
if they if they wrote every day or if they wrote when they were inspired. I said only when I'm inspired, but fortunately it happens every day at nine o'clock in the morning. And I like that. Yeah. Like you have to. It's like uh, Alan Shamlin's analogy for it is it's like getting on a surfboard to go find a wave. Like you're never you're never going to catch it. If you if you try beach. to hunt it down, yeah. Well, on the beach, you're not going to catch it. You know, yeah, you got to get you out. You got to plan and, and be there, just willing to sit. Yeah, and and with that comes one the availability to do it. So you have to like set your life up to where that's available. Two, you have to have the energy to want to do it because you can fall into that apathetic version, of, especially in this business, like where I've. I've gotten into traps where I'm like, I don't want to write. Yeah. You know? And like, I don't know. And, it, and it's not because you don't love writing. It's because maybe you're beat down about what's happening with the songs you're writing anyways. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the point? You know? No one's going to hear them. But I know that's a negative. That's a very negative way to go. But, it, but you know, that really is true everywhere. I mean, everybody has that same scenario. Yeah. about and it, and it's funny because i keep hearing the kind of the message of oh god and i just totally lost that whole chain of thought my covid brain it's gone anyway it was good it'll come back hopefully um so let me ask you this how long were you on the road with jason about uh, two months a month and two days yeah so yeah. okay not quite two months but you left right after you got married yeah, we got married on the third. We left on the eighth. That's an interesting one. It about broke us. Really? Nah, not seriously. But like, it was really hard. Well, and that's really kind of where I wanted to go with this one, because you know, I when I go into these interviews, I try not to do research and be prepared and have all this stuff. I want it to be very organic. Sure. And um, as much as I stalk you, that's kind of hard to come up with too much organic because I'm like, you know, watching everything that you do because I adore you well, and have also, for a very long time. The, the social media stuff lately, I've been like, I don't really know what to tell these people anymore. You know, like other than I got married and I'm, these are my shows. Like I've been so turned off by like having to post something every day about my life that like I see artists that like have their managers do it. And then you could tell cause it's written in third person, like whether yeah. it's Todd Snyder or Floyd yeah. or somebody. I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous of that. Well, you can hire somebody to do that. That's not that big a deal. Sure. And I, you know, I know a ton of people that do that. So if you want somebody's name, I'll, you know, I've got a ton. And a lot of them are good at finding kind of the voice for who they work for. Sure. sure. But for me, though, I have a problem with that with me because I want to know them. And and it's hard. Now, Courtney pulls it off really well. Yeah. Um, she is able to post... A lot more than I yeah. would ever expect. And yeah. it's still very fresh and you still want to follow it. So I don't that is hard. No, yeah, it's commendable. And it, and it's beneficial to her career. Yeah. Like Sunny's the same way. Yeah. So maybe it's a girl thing. No, I don't think so. They just work hard. Yeah. It's so much work. Like to it do is. That. And like I don't know. Discipline. Back to the discipline that's, thing. That's <laughs> another side of it that's like So I think we have a discipline thing going on here, yeah, Ben. So, maybe that's yeah. the problem. <laughs> Yet. Yes. Yet. Though you, you know, you go through your stages. I've seen it. I mean, you've come a hell of a long way from when I first started following you. Yeah. No, I, I feel very lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Um, there's days where I'm like, I don't know. Is this even enough to get over the hump? But 
and then like things like that mile zero thing just breathe a little bit of life into it for a minute you know um i don't know well you had that you would how long were you on the tour with uh Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, thank you. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, that was a, that was a, a boost because I mean, you saw a lot of people sure. really find you there. Yeah, that was a good tour, but it was it, it was it weirdly worked. But like, also, I don't know how many of those people I kept. Yeah, you know? I, I know they're there, but like, it's it's I don't see it every day. Yeah, like like the Texas country element of things, or like touring with the Americana more that kind of like my well that's that's your people i mean those those yeah. are your people and those are the people who know and follow the people that are your basket sure i mean aaron was a weird dynamic it was weird but it did work yeah and and a lot of people you know had a lot of really great things to say about you but like you said you know are they the ones that are going to pay the bills in the end well, they did for a long well, time. There. Yeah, but uh, now, now but, that you're home, and not that not that that discredits them now, but I, it got to where I don't know, like you know, I I would post something about being in a city, and none of them would show up. Yeah, and like, they would be like, "When are you and Aaron coming back?" And it was like they only cared about that. Yeah, you know? and like, and I get that, like on a Friday night, they're not gonna go spend their money watching me but they damn sure would go watch Aaron Lewis if I was with them you know so that was kind of the, the deal like with this Jason tour everything is on a it's on a smaller scale obviously but like it's it's a great business model yeah like he has a great structure of like all the clubs are attainable yeah for one two they're he's not ripping people off when he goes there he's not asking for a ton of money yeah and it's all a door deal. So he yeah. earns it. He earns yeah. what he gets. And everybody's happy. And that's I think that's a great way of touring. Yeah. Even if you have to lose on your, your first four times in a market. Yeah. You're you're not putting the club out. Like Eddie's at it. God. Like I maybe had three people show up to that show. Yeah. But it didn't cost the club any money. Yeah. So it's you know well, and, they would and probably want to have somebody. The good thing about this genre and and the way jason thinks and this model that he uses is that there's a lot of people like me who are fans of the venue sure. so i know that if a venue is bringing somebody in then they're going to be somebody that i like so i think there's a, a partnership there that you don't get in a lot of these big places because they just want to make money they don't oh, yeah. care who they're bringing in they don't care what kind of music you play yeah they don't care what you're doing as long as you sell tickets so yeah, i think yeah. Yeah, the live it's nation kind of end of it is like that's that's usually the size of room. It's like, and with like I met some great guys that worked at Live Nation. Yeah, there were a couple that I loved through that Aaron Lewis tour, but they have no control over if I'm coming to a, a market again. Yeah, and so it was like a disconnect of like, at least here, me and a club owner like the Evening Muse, like I can go, hey, let's build this, you know, yeah. and it's it's not out of your pocket. It's, yeah. And then you might go home and spend the night at the. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Either way, it's like, but they—they're more. Those guys are more into seeing you, seeing you grow, yeah. you know, rather than just how much money can we make on Friday. You yeah. Know? Well, and I think part of the thing too, and this I have just learned from watching most average people, and especially most average people that go to those Aaron Watson or Aaron Lewis type shows, yeah. don't understand the business. I mean, they just they go, they turn on the radio, they listen to somebody, yeah. you know. I never realized 
before I started meeting and following this kind of Texas genre, that there is a whole underbelly yeah. and, and learning how you guys have to survive and the things you have to do. Sure. And it, it's not the perception. Yeah. You know, and, and Courtney made a comment one time, we were talking about trying to fit the music in. If When somebody asks you, what do you do? And you say, I'm a musician. What kind of music do you play? Uh-huh. You know, it's like, what do you answer? And she made a comment. She said, I've started calling myself a songwriter. And that way I don't necessarily have to fit. And I think that's a lot of it. I, you know, I didn't even realize that there were, and now this was a long time ago, but there, there were there were people just writing songs. Yeah. I mean, that just amazes me. Um, which, kind of throw in a little bit here, amazed me with your story, how you left Austin and just said, I'm going to move to Nashville and be a songwriter. I mean, yeah. you know, we talked about how much you've changed. Sure. That's a big risk. Uh, at the time, it didn't feel like that. It felt like it was my only move. You know, like I, in a weird way, I was like, I saw what was going on for me in Texas at the time and it wasn't working. Yeah. And whether that be the type of songs I was writing or where I was working or whatever it was, it was it had nothing to do with like the Pat Greens of the world. Like it just wasn't working out. Yeah. And like this was a necessary move and who knows how long it'll be the move. Like I might be back in Austin and but with a, a ton of knowledge on who I really want to be and how I want to do it. You know? Well, and that's where I was going with this is, and sometimes you need to shift your location, Sure. but the risk part of it that I bring in is that most people would not have done that. They would say, I don't necessarily, you know, I could go up there for a couple months. Maybe I'll get a job waiting tables or tending bar and manage to survive. Maybe I'll get a song or two, but it takes a lot of discipline, though that word in there again, to stick with it and then see it into fruition, which you have. I mean, that's, I mean, how long have you been here? 11 years. I was going to say, this is white didn't hurt at all. 2011. 2011. I can't count backwards. It's crazy. Doesn't seem that long. No, it doesn't. You know, I mean, there was a couple of wasted years there with COVID and like, um, I don't know, you know, like it's a, it's a catch 22 when you're touring too, because yeah. you have to be here to be present, to win, to get invited into these circles then you have to tour to have fans no, I didn't know that. you can't like i mean you can build it here but you have to be viral to build it yeah here. it's like that's well and then the problem with that circle the drain and it's like yeah that you might be viral for 10 minutes and then you know the next viral person steps in um i think i'm, I'm past my point of being viral in my age you know like i don't know you like, never know it's I'm, like one of those things where you're like ah, ah. well the business model changes from <laughs> yeah i call it um, I mean, every, every, what do they call it when you're a uh, transition of care? Like when you're in the hospital, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like my career is like, it was hopeful of like the stardom. And then once you, I think that's a, that's a weird facade to have because like, you get entitled with things. You're like, Oh, I deserve this opportunity because the children's got this opportunity or Brent Cobb or whoever got this yeah. opportunity, but like, you're also not them. And like, yeah. you're not, you didn't come from any route that they came from yeah and so when you get past the point of like the the shine wearing off of it for a minute you go okay how do we do this every day and it makes sense well how do you do it every day and make a living out of it sure and how do you do it every day and stay dedicated to it yeah because i mean this is a heartbreaker business oh yeah well there's a there's a 
a, a vast, a vast area between Tyler Childers and open mics. And I feel like people think of it that way. It's like either you go, you're on the ground level of starting out or you're a viral success. Yeah. Or nothing. Yeah. And Jason proves that there is far... The sustainability in the between. And for growth. Yeah. And like to to build a career with a good life, you know. Now the problem with that is the amount of touring, and that that's where family issues come in. Which is a big circle to really what I wanted to talk about because that's hard. Yeah, I mean that's hard. Sure, it's hard to have a marriage, especially a new marriage, with somebody who's not on the road for six weeks at a time. Yeah, when we met, it was in the middle of COVID, so I wasn't touring. And so it's a weird thing to go. First of all, you couldn't get rid of me. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now you're no, 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 no. Um, but And by the way, let's have a dog so that I'll be yeah. here to take care of the dog. That was her choice. Okay. She was going to have the dog either way. But um, yeah, it, it that was that tour was a one, it was. It was drastic. Like, I normally don't ever tour that long. So that was a little out of the ordinary. And two, we got married the week before. So that, that just, like, was a completely different... No honeymoon. ...level of stress. No, you know, no that, that, honeymoon. But there's going to be a, a reckoning of, like, how do we do this? Yeah. Like, you know, how, do you, how long is too much? And how do you know, when can we do this? And how can we coordinate our schedules to where things are right? You know? But the good thing is, the the groups that you hang around with, you know, these these um, musicians and the level, the Jasons and the Courtney's and the Jamie Lynn's, they've managed to make it work. Sure. Um, so at least you have some models to follow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that do it. Who understand what's involved. Do you think Holly's ready for that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I think she's in a weird spot. Like she's, her job's really stressful, so that's it. Well, yeah, and that's a whole other thing. A different thing. Um, yeah. But the big question then is, now that you're married, do we still get sad songs? Always. <laughs> Always, yeah. I could. I, I, I think the content... Actually, maybe we might have more sad songs now that you get... No, I think the content shifts from, like, personal to... Uh, well, relationships. relationships from relationships to the music industry woes of things. That's kind of where it's been headed. So me griping about something else. <laughs> so a whole new fresh uh, you know, look at a happy song or something. There. You have some happy ones in there every now and then. So have you been happy with how the new album's gone? Yeah, it's hard to tell. You know, like these days, there's so much noise. And like when something comes out, it's all based on Spotify numbers. Yeah. That's it's frustrating when you put something out and like you watch people have a million streams in a year or something and then your single comes out over the weekend it maybe got five hundred streams and you're like, I don't I don't know how to reach people, you know? And it's all algorithm based, so it's like you gotta be doing something to push the algorithm and like there's a million different tactics on how to do it. Like, yeah, as far as how it looked and everything went, yeah, it was great. Um, but there's this fearfulness of like, man, did it just invest all this money and it's gone? 
you know, it's not gone, but it's the, the momentum is, is gone, you know? So you've got a manager now. Yeah. Do they, do they work on some of that algorithm stuff? That's a hundred percent of the do. So, so it's not all, you know, you making posts 24. No, they're great. Like about the post situation. Like, so the way we work together is like, they'll, we'll have all our assets, whether it be a video, a picture, or mm-hmm. we'll have it lined up for the week. And then they'll ask me for post copy. Like, Hey, what would you say yeah. to this? We want it to be your language and we'll post it at X amount of time. Yeah. So that's been good. And then it's like in the middle of that sprinkling in your own personal, personal stuff. stuff. I don't know. But yeah, they're doing a good job. Like we've watched it grow. Yeah. Like in a, in a weird way, it's like the, a very small number, but, um, it's like throwing a bunch of flour onto something wet and seeing what, where, what's going to stick. Yeah. <laughs> like where, where the wet, where's the water. Yeah. Um, like, like with ad buying, like, so if you have a budget to, to spend money on ads, you could spend it like, Hey, I want all of Americana to like this. So you go spend $500 on an ad for Americana and your cost per click is super high, but like that wasn't working for me from, I guess it was just too much Americana, yeah. too many white dudes with beards yeah. Americana that like didn't stand out. So they switched it to buying ads for only women. Yeah. As the demographic. And that worked. And like, which is funny, because if you go to my Spotify demographic, it's 30 to 38 year old white guys that are liking my songs. And like, we bought the ad and the cost per click was way down. And I was like, oh, this is weird that we found this like audience that, I don't know. And, and granted, it's not viral, but we see it move in a better direction yeah. where we don't spend Well, and yeah, I mean, we have, I did this whole big thing, um, test market has somebody running doing basically the same type of thing for my business and managing it that way and it wasn't interesting how things change when you get this pattern and and what markets you're strong with but with me too my strongest market are men like they they're i don't even do anything with them but how come they're the ones that are always there i mean who knows um so what do we what can we do what can i do to make a difference other than keep showing up you're doing it enough. <laughs> <laughs> but your average your average person that really wants to support. Oh, I mean, sharing things and, and uh, the way the algorithm works on Facebook, if you like something or if you subscribe to something, it shows that you've committed enough to it. To yeah. Where it should be noteworthy of whatever. Yeah. So that, like, that's, I think, the biggest thing a fan can do as far as helping an artist. Outside of just giving us so, all your money, <laughs> when, and I've I've, no, I've been known to do that too. I love I love that you keep up even when you were traveling with the uh, Facebook lives. I mean, oh, are, yeah. those, are those successful for you as a? Yeah, it's less about like it's like money, is it? The is. electric bills do, honey. You better go do another live. <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's an added bonus for sure, but it's it's more about those core fans that like like there there's a theory that if you keep your you only need a thousand fans to have a career. And if you can keep those people happy, it'll fulfill itself. You know, like it'll always work out because they will take care of you in a way. And like, I love that. And that's know, probably, there's a guy that did a whole article. On it. Um, right. It's, I think it's called a thousand fans, but, um, it's a great theory. Cause like you get so caught up with, Oh, how do we reach more people and how do and 
and you discredit the people that are there. It's like, and, and not that you're being mean or rude to those people, but like if you can like feed them and keep them happy while still while still reaching, yeah, you'll always have a career. Well, and you know I love that because first of all, I panicked last night when I after you we talked and you said you had gotten on the mile zero yeah. set list. Uh, or artist list, I was like posting all these messages and I couldn't tag anybody. Oh, really? All of a sudden, I just, I could type your name in there and it would come up as a suggestion and I'd click it, but it wouldn't actually tag really? you. And I'm like going, oh my God, my business is just totally <laughs> erupted because everything that I do, I, I have to be able to tag people. So I finally figured out that problem. But the funny thing was, I, one, two, three, four, five, I got... Friday night. When that announcement came out, I had three people that posted on there that said something to me about yeah. it. I had four people text me and two people messaged me. <laughs> so that just really made me think people hear me talk about you yeah. enough that when that came out, I love it. They reach. So, you know, if that's five, when I say eight people and, you know, you get eight more people, it's like that old hair commercial if you tell two friends and then they tell two friends and they tell two Which friends you invaluable to me oh guys there's a there's a um the book called the tipping point have you ever read that book? i haven't read it but i've heard of it yeah and so that he oh, did you hear that i'm invaluable you are invaluable but aside from being a great friend like from a just from a human uh i guess word of mouth yeah. scenario it's invaluable to have somebody like you saying my name yeah. and they call those connectors in that book yeah. and it's people that are influential in a way to a, a group of people it doesn't have to be you're an influencer you're yeah making your well and I, and I love that that term has been kind of hijacked by influencers because you almost don't even want to say it anymore but that's true yeah and when I finally, this morning, I made a post on the fact that I finally figured out what the heck was happening with this whole tag thing. And my last line was something along the lines of, now I can go on and, you know, tell everybody about everybody that I love and the places that I love. Because that's yeah. really what makes the dollars sure. change hands. And I love the fact that people can will come to me and say, you know, who are you listening to? What are you, you know, who are you going to see? And when I go out of town, I mean, the obvious question is, who are you going to go see? Yeah. So... I may not be able to get an article in, you know, the New York Times or something like that, talking about all my great musicians that I love. Um, but people seeing me time after time again, you know, yeah. you're where I go when I... Well, they got to where they trusted. Because they know you're not going you're not gonna to support something that's not good, you know? Well... That's a, that's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Ah, I'm indispensable and I'm trustworthy. You're trustworthy, yeah. I am moving up in the world. Yes. Um, well, all I know is I am so super excited about tonight uh, having Courtney at my house, same yeah. apartment that you slept in. Yeah. I'm going to put a little plaque up. Um, are you excited about uh, opening for her? Because you guys played a couple shows well, this summer. We're doing it in a round. So the, the, the way the Bluebird is, is like, have you, have you ever I've never been. That's why I was like triple excited about being here. Um, so, yeah. So, the, so are you guys all on at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like yeah. a song swap type of a thing. They do it in the middle of the room. It's like everybody faces each other. And then the crowd sits behind you. Which is kind of weird because the, the, I love playing the Bluebird. It's, it's an honor because Guy Clark and Town. Yeah. And everybody. Well, it's an established played there. Reputation, reputation there. Only issue I have with it is sometimes those tickets sell out as soon as they go on sale because it's so popular. Yeah. That 
the, the crowd that's in there is 98% tourists. And that's not bad because you're reaching new people, but when they don't know you and they expect to show up and hear the like next Luke Bryan single or something, yeah, and you're ruining their weekend with sad songs, um, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of funny. It's, I, it's, well, and, and that's kind of the whole problem with, I shouldn't say problem, I love it, that whole listening room type. Yeah. Atmosphere. I mean, those are the those are the places when you know I hear Jason talk about where he loves to play and, and Courtney, and those are the great places. And and now that I have progressed to the point where I enjoy the music for the music, yeah. and not just for you know all the alcohol that's being served and the drunk guys, and you know, most people when they go to hear music, that's not what they expect. Um, but I love that that atmosphere is growing, and I love that there's places that are trendy and tourist spots that promote that because those people will probably never even be in that scenario. Sure. But how do they learn to appreciate it? There was a guy last time we played there. It's funny. This guy like had on, he was, he was like way in the back behind me. And we made a couple jokes about how many sad songs we were playing. I think, uh, Taylor Ray was on it with us. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he kept he kept on about it, and it was like, oh, no more sad song or something. And I almost turned around and said he was wearing a bright yellow, active wear shirt, and I almost said the one guy dressed like a tennis ball, you know. <laughs> and like, it's <clears throat> at that point you're like heckling the show, but like, yeah, it was that that vibe that kind of is like, uh, you know, like they don't know really what they're they're seeing. They don't they don't understand the concept. Yeah, like it and it. Not to be the pissy artist about it, but like, you know, that's not what you're there for. You, you want me to go play up, up-tempo acoustic songs, then go to Broadway. Yeah. You know, like, don't, don't come in here where you want to hear the, you know, everybody's here for the feelings. Now, do you think, and Courtney, I mean, I was lucky to get, there was like five seats left when I got our tickets. Yeah. Do you think that's, I never really thought about the tourist, I'm just thinking, oh, look at everybody loves Courtney. Um, well, it could be. Um, but it's, it's annoyingly sold out. Like, it's like, I would almost rather their them sell half to the tourists and then let you mess with the rest of the room for yeah. the month. And then till the week of, if you hadn't sold it, then sold, sell the rest to the tourists. That's an interesting idea. But yeah, it's. It, now, now I say that that's a great idea, unless I was the person coming into Nashville for, you know, four days and it's my one chance to get to go there sure. and, and I can't get a ticket because Ben's being a jerk about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, two of my favorite shows were you in my backyard and Courtney in my backyard. Yeah. So. It's just funny because, like, I'll let this guy go by. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's what Dan needs to do when he retires. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> hey, give me a paper, Ben. Get a picture of this guy and send it to me so I can send it to Dan. Because this is... I've got one. I um, interviewed somebody at Mile Zero Fest. We were down sitting on the beach, and you could hear all the people running around. And I'm like, well, that's the best part of the interview. What, hearing the noise? Yeah, just the background noise, you know. Thank <laughs> you.
cannot be comfortable. That is tiny. That's, ride, that's like riding in the range picker at the driving range. <laughs> These people are whizzing balls at you. <laughs> oh, life goals, right? Yeah, hashtag, yeah. hashtag life goals. Um, well, I'm gonna let you go. I really could sit and talk to you forever. Um, Enjoy it. Did you get everything you needed? Always. Well, you know, any conversation with you is good. I'd just like to be able to share some of them. Yeah. So other people can see how personal, personable, just your average people are. You know, these interviews never stem because it's, you know, somebody's got a new album out sure. and they need to promote it or somebody's got a new thing. Most of the time, a lot of the interviews are just somebody that you'd walk by a thousand times and wouldn't even know that they have yeah. a cool story. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's all about the story. Yeah, I think my favorite part of being on the road is meeting people. That's, I love it. Everybody's got something interesting yeah. to tell you about their life or what they've done. Fred. Fred, yeah, Fred, yeah. Is, he's a funny guy. But then, I mean, that's a perfect, really, example. I mean, how many Freds are out there the that nobody ever knows no, about? Yeah, I guess to hang with, yeah. Yeah. Realtors? I don't know. And it's interesting to me because I did a lot of that when I did the road trip last year. I spent a lot of time, and I mean, I, you know, me, I talk, I don't ever shut up, but so it's not weird for me to talk to people that I don't know, but I really made the effort then um just because of what my goal of the trip was but also i was by myself the whole time and, and there is a point when you talk to yourself that you're kind of getting bored yeah um but i was surprised at the number of people when i talk about that said i could never do that and i'm like it's just a person you know what you know you never know so maybe if we do nothing but get people to sit down and talk to the person next to him on the bus or the plane or the yeah. whatever. Here's an example. I, we were in Reno at this thing and maybe 20 people showed up to our show, but one guy showed up and was like, bought a record and goes, hey, will you write down three people that you, that you listen to on, your, on the side of your record? And I was like, that's great. Let it down. He was awesome. Went back to his seat. During Jason's show, came over and was like, if you're going to be around on Tuesday, would you want to come over to the house and play at our house? I'll charge my friends like 15 bucks. And he had like 40 people show up. Yeah. And like, they handed me like six, $700 and was like, just wanted to show you a warmer side of Reno because the, the gig was like kind of off. Yeah. You know, and like, and he was so cool. Like, I will probably be friends with that guy for the rest of my life. Yeah. And like, there was nothing at stake for him. Like, or interested in it other than just being the nice guy. It was cool. And enjoying the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, and I met a ton of great people at that thing. Like, normal people that lived in the neighborhood. And, like, because earlier that day, it was like we, we were downtown or something. I saw one homeless guy mace another one for his bike. And it was just like, holy cow. And then going oh. to that, from that to like this, warm thing where people cooked food and like hung out and so i'm not the only one who cooks for you yeah <laughs> you're the best though oh yes that's what they all say <laughs> well thank you yeah thank you um Appreciate i'm gonna you. have to make sure to are you kidding there's tacos involved i don't show up anywhere for tacos <laughs>
Um, well, tacos and Ben, that's two of my favorites, which needs to be your next shirt, by the way. I've got the <laughs> I waffles. I and... shirt that says, uh, I cried at a Ben Danaher show. <gasps> but, um, I, when I was designing it, and I showed it to Aaron. He was like, that is so stupid. <laughs> no! Are you kidding? I always talk about your sad songs. Uh, you need to work on that one. But thank you again, yeah, my dear. I will see you tonight. Yes, that'll be fun. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed the story, let me know by sharing it using the hashtag Epic Stories Podcast or leave a comment on my Epic Living with Gene Facebook page. Head to my website, epiclivingwithgene.com, to learn more about what it means to live epic. While you're there, download my free guide, Seven Ways to Start Living Epic, to take your first steps. If you'd like to learn more about my Dream Manager program or just want to chat about what epic might look like in your life, reach out and we'll set up a call. See you next time. I hope you go out and live epic today and every day. And remember, it's all about the story.